You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. And now, here's your host, the Assistant Director of the Office of Career Advancement, Ruben Britt. Marcus Garvey once said, a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. To add to that quote, Carter G. Woodson, the father of black history, said, those who have no record of what their forebearers have accomplished lose their inspiration, which comes from teaching biology and history. My guest today has a wealth of knowledge regarding the preservation of history and culture. Joining us today is Ms. Angela Proctor, head university archivist and digital librarian at the John B. Cabe Library at Southern University A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Angela, welcome to Career Talk. Good morning, Mr. Brett, and good morning to your listening audience. Angela, can you tell our listeners about your career journey? Sure. My career started uh, in 1985 when I was employed at the John B. Cave Library at Southern University. I was a recent uh, two-year graduate from Southern University receiving my undergraduate degree in mass communication. The library had been opened just one year before my employment, Mm -hmm. and I was hired to assist the head of special collections librarian who was also in charge of the African-American collection. Okay. So this was my introduction to the library profession. Now is from that, is that what sparked your interest to be, to, to become a librarian and archivist? Actually, there were two factors that sparked my interest. Uh, the first would be the love of the profession and two working with students and the public. Uh, because both of these entities, uh, the archives and the library, both deal with students and the public, the archives department is a little bit more on the public side um, on a much larger spectrum. Um, and I would also say the dean of the library at that time was very instrumental uh, in me attending library school. Um, I attended library school at uh, LSU. I worked full-time at Southern and went to school full-time and received my degree from LSU in 1997. Um, I began working in the systems and technology office at the library here, and my title was um, electronic services librarian, and I was over the electronic reserves. My interest in the archives ideally began with me volunteering to work in the department. The archivist at that time um, had developed uh, some health challenges, and I volunteered to maintain the department during her absence. Um, this was my introduction to the archives. I love research and history, and in particular, our university's history. Southern University has such a rich history and wonderful collections. My predecessor later retired from the university and the position became available. I decided to apply 
and the position was offered to me in 2003. And as they say, the rest is history. Wow, that's a beautiful story. Now, um, can you describe your role as archivist? Some of the things that you do. Um, okay, so one, the archivist has several roles, but in particular, it, if you're working at the university, at the university level, uh, there's special archives, there are public archives. So it just depends on the type of setting. But here at the university, um, the main task would be, or the role would be to ensure the preservation of valuable records, both past and present, uh, preserve, appraise, and manage historical information, which would consist of our images, photographs, uh, videos, reel-to-reel tapes, uh, manuscripts, and other items which are significant in value. Uh, we also catalog and make the collections public uh, accessible to the public, and we do uh, outreach to the public as well. Hmm. Now, you talked about that you had went back to school at LSU to get your your um, additional background in as a librarian. Is that part of the qualifications to be archivist? Uh, yes, uh, the qualifications to become an archivist are a librarian both require a master's in library science or a master's in library and information science, master's in art history or records management. Uh, Depending on the type of institution, uh, some of your more larger institutions and your Ivy League institutions require both the master's in library science Mm -hmm. and a master's in history. Additionally, um, a master's degree is also required to become a certified archivist in addition to passing a written examination. Now, you do a lot of different things in in your position. And um, what do you consider your specialty as an archivist? Um, My specialty um, would be research and um, attention to detail. Yeah, uh, archives require so much, and a lot of it involves reading, um, preserving, uh, and and a lot of following up. So the research component is truly what I love. Yeah. Now, in the age of technology, what percentage of your records are digitized? Um, only about ten uh, percent of our collections are digitized and accessible online. Um, when I first began in the archives, we didn't have any of our collections um, accessible online. So we have uh, come a long way. And um, yeah, so only about 10% right now. And any job you, you face challenges, what are some of the challenges you face as an archivist? Um, some of the challenges that we face would consist of staffing shortages, okay. budget, technology, uh, policy and procedures, I would add to that. Uh, the integrity of the various storage media and equipment. And some of these things that I've actually laid out are not necessarily in that order. I would say it basically depends on the archive structure. So, for example, the archives here, we are located within the library. So, our budget comes directly out of the library's budget. But in some cases, 
you have archives that are still part of a university, but are located within a separate building and they have their own separate budget. So it does depend. Currently, there are 37 states in this country where there are proposals in legislation to regulate the teaching of black history. In an expose on CBS back in 2020, it revealed that slavery was not included in the social studies curriculum in Alaska, Delaware, Iowa, Maine, Montana, Vermont, and Wyoming. And and in those same states, the civil rights movement is also admitted in in their uh, social studies curriculum, along with Oregon. With regards to slavery, can you tell our listeners about the opinions regarding slavery, slave narrative collection at Southern University? Sure, love to. Um, The opinions regarding slavery, um, slave narrative collection, is an original manuscript collection dated 1935 and is compiled by John Brother Cade Sr., who was the dean of Southern University. However, for your listening audience, I want to add this caveat. This was not Southern University's first slave narrative collection. Mm -hmm. Southern University's first slave narrative collection was dated in 1929 by Dean Kate. The 1929 set of narratives were compiled and they were conducted by Dean Kate. And these were to dispel the remarks that were made by Dr. U.B. Phillips who said, quote, unquote, Negroes, for the most part, did not mind slavery. And then Dr. Phillips was the first major historian of the South and of the Southern slavery. So during uh, Dean Kate's tenure as the director of extension services, he would leave campus every Saturday during the school year to visit areas such as Monroe, Bastrop, and Minden. So while teaching the topic of slavery um, in the United States history class, he conceived the idea of securing views of the institution from living ex-slaves and ex-slave owners. Hmm. All the students, most of whom were teachers themselves, were requested to interview as many persons as possible. The 1929 set of narratives, they were destroyed by fire. But within the the 1929 set, there were 36 reported interviews, totaling a total of 82 reported uh, interviews. The 1935 set of opinions regarding slavery, Dean Cade uh, wanted to to get a picture of conditions during slavery in Civil War times from from Negroes themselves. This set of narratives uh, were conducted during Dean Cade's tenure at Prairie A&M University. His students were given a set of questions or conditions to ask each ex-slave. They were centered uh, around social aspects, such as the types of food the ex-slaves were allowed to eat, the clothing that they were allowed to wear, the housing facilities, and of course, uh, the working conditions among the ex-slaves. Wow. Now, what are the total number of, um, I know you have a series of uh, this recent collection that you, you've been um, um, sharing, um, and you talk about the state, the slave narratives, and they consist of like 17 states. Uh, uh, what states are part of these narratives? Okay, so uh, the series that you are referring to is 
1935 opinions regarding slavery. It, uh, we have a total of 17 states. And so those states are, and then I would also include the number of reports. And when I use the word reports, I'm referring to the interviews. Mm -hmm. So we start off with the state of Alabama. It has 11 reports. Uh, Arkansas has four. Florida has one interview. Georgia has seven. Uh, the Indian Territory has one. Kansas, one. Uh, we have Kentucky, which has 10. Louisiana has 22. Maryland, two. Mississippi, 16. Missouri, nine. North Carolina, eight. Oklahoma Territory, one. South Carolina, five. Tennessee, seven. Texas, 106. Ooh. Virginia, 17. And we also have one country, Canada, with one report. Wow. Now, I, I had the opportunity to read all of those letters, which was quite graphic, and it caused me to visualize uh, what the life of a slave had to endure. Is, is it possible for you to read, say, one of the slave letters? Yes, I can. Um, so let's see here. I have chosen... Um, a report from the state of Alabama. The slave's name is Mark Slater. The folder number is number nine. The owner's name is John Crockett. The interviewer is Mrs. Esther Lane Thompson. It's dated March 6, 1935. And the instructor is Professor T.R. Griffith. And I'll, for you, your listening audience, we'll get started. Um, the biography of a slave. Mark Slater was born in Clark County, Alabama, and was later partially driven to Washington County, Texas. His owner's name was John Crockett. Mr. Slater was a sheep herder. To secure a wife, he had to ask the overseer to which she belonged if she might be his companion. If this particular overseer agreed to give her to him, he would then have to get a permit from his overseer to visit her occasionally for his granted wife was not allowed to leave her overseer's premises to live with her husband. No marriage ceremony was at all rendered. Ordinary food was given him, such as beans, peas, bacon, cornbread, and hominy. His clothing was made from cloth that was spun in his overseer's home on a spinning wheel. His socks were homemade knitted socks. His shoes were made of rawhide with the fur side next to the foot. The shoes were, in other words, made on a moccasin style. If any of the slaves committed an offense, their clothing was taken off of them, and they were beaten until their flesh was blistered with board paddles or wooden paddles made with holes in them. Then whips were used to burst the blisters that were formed on their flesh. To secure a runaway slave, 
bloodhounds were used as a means of capturing him. They had no public form of worship. Their religious services were held privately in the homes of the slaves. A large tub of water was placed in the center of the floor of the room in which they were carrying on their religious worship so that the sound of their singing and praying could not be heard by the white people. They would pray saying, Oh Lord, lift the yoke of bondage of us that we may serve God under our own vine and fig tree. And oh Lord, control oh master's temper so he will not beat be so mean to us. They long to be freed from slavery. And that's the end of that report. Wow. Um, it's, you know, it's just, it's still, still um, tough for me to, to envi- you know, envision and, and, and think that some of the things that they've gone through, and that's just probably one trillion of the, the many horrific stories that uh, the slaves had gone through. Now, can I can these slave narrative collections be accessed online? Yes, they sure can. <clears throat> and uh, the opinions regarding slave narratives is available on the archives website as well as JSTOR. And I would like to also mention to your listening audience, there is another collection of slave narratives that we also have, which is called the Louisiana Works Progress Administration. And that collection, too, is um, available on the archives database and JSTOR. Great. Respectively. Now, um, the the last uh, slave collection, is that part of that 1920 uh, collection? Or is no, it- that would be, uh, no, the, as I indicated, the 1929 set was destroyed by fire. So we don't have, we don't have those reports. Okay. So the 19, um, the Louisiana Works Progress Administration slave narrative collection is dated 1940. Wow. So those are the, so we have two that are available online which is the Opinions Regarding Slavery, which is dated 1935, and the Louisiana Works Progress Administration, which is dated 1940. Well, all I know is, um, and, I, and I encourage my listeners to, to, to uh, check out this particular um, collection online because it is yeah. very powerful, very powerful. Thank you so very much. Yes, and I would strongly encourage your, your listening audience to contact us as well they have any questions and how would they contact you they can contact uh they can contact me by phone or by email to contact me by phone my number is 225-771-2624 or 771-2773 and by email they can contact me by angela underscore proctor that's p-r-o C-T-O-R at S-U-B-R dot E-D-U. Thank you. You're listening to Career Talk. We're here today with Miss Angela Proctor. She is the head university archivist and digital library at the John B. Cabe Library at Southern University A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're going to hear more from Angela in just a few minutes, so stay with us. 
Welcome back to Career Talk. We're here today with Miss Angela Proctor. She is the head university archivist and digital library librarian at the John B. Cabe Library at Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now, we were talking about before the break, we were talking about the, the uh, slave collection. But back in 1972, almost 50 years ago, two students, Denver Smith and Leonard Brown, were killed on the campus of Southern University during a peaceful protest. As a result, your department has collected a number of archives related to that tragic event. Can you tell us a little bit about the Denver Smith and Leonard Brown collection? Sure. Um, and just to reiterate a little bit of what you said, uh, on November 16, 1972, two students uh, that were attending Southern University were killed uh, during a confrontation between students and law enforcement units. Those two students were Leonard Douglas Brown and Denver Allen Smith. Uh, during that time, Southern University had been in the throes of student unrest. Um, they were the students themselves were seeking immediate changes in administration, governance, curricula, and living conditions. And the students issued a list of demands uh, from administration, and uh, and from there, a boycott of classes ensued. Uh, the administration and faculty shortly after uh, began negotiations with students and discussions amongst themselves um, in an effort to redress the demands uh, with dispatch. The students uh, demanded a new president and an all-black board of super supervisors and various councils within the Southern University system. Right. Also, uh, during that time period, um, during the month, uh, ver there were numerous versions of events, charges, and countercharges that were evident uh, in newspaper accounts, on the radio and television, and in daily conversations. But many persons were concerned, including students, faculty, and Southern University's alumni, because they were not aware of the various activities that actually occurred on and off the campus. Um, I would also say the Denver Smith and Leonard Brown collection has been digitized and it is uh, available online on the archives website. And I would want to add a caveat to that. Um, this November uh, 19, uh, I would say November 16th of 2022 would be 50 years of their uh, death of their anniversary. So the university is actually uh, going to be rolling something out. Uh, the archives itself, uh, we are still within talks. Uh, more than likely, uh, there will be an exhibit uh, that will be conducted by the archives. But um, I don't exactly know uh, the plans for the university. But um, yes, I do know that some things are going to be taking place. Uh, for their uh, 50th anniversary. And I'd just like to add that uh, during that time, I was a student there at, um, at Southern during, during the, um, the death of uh, Denver Smith and Leonard Brown. I was uh, involved. I was there in the crowd uh, when um, uh, they were killed. So it was, um, it's hard to believe it. It's been almost uh, 50 years ago, but I remember that day um, as if it was yesterday. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. What advice uh, can you give to anyone who's interested in becoming an archivist? Um, you know, 
for, for me, uh, personally, um, I would say the profession ha- has changed uh, so much over the years. But I would say, uh, as an archivist, you have to have an interest or a love of research and history. Both, are, for me, in my opinion, are needed. Uh, the love of digitizing a valuable collection such as our slave narratives and then having it accessible uh, for the public is so gratifying because at the end of all of your hard work, you'll be able to see the fruits of your labor. Uh, for the listening audience, sometimes uh, the public does not know what goes on behind the scenes to actually get a collection uh, online or available to the public. The, the slave narratives, um, there are a total of 229 reports, but it took me roughly uh, two and a half years, Whoa. close to three, to just really uh, digitize the reports themselves and then turn around and then upload uh, those uh, PDFs to uh, a database system. So again, the public does not necessarily see that part of it. Uh, but for me, uh, I guess the gratifying part would be that all your hard work was definitely not in vain because at the end of all of this done, it's available online. And by far, it has been one of the most talked about collections that we actually had, not just for Southern University, but for the state of Louisiana as a whole. When we first rolled um, the collection out and we had all the publicity, the newspapers, the state paper, I mean, we had persons that were contacting us as far as Canada, Australia. So, you know, that would be the fruit of uh, our labor, you know, when you can actually see this and then it comes at the end. Um, but I would say being able to uh, work with the public, not just students, but the public in general, because that's that's what we do. You know, phone calls, emails. Do you have this? Um, do you have a photograph of my parents? You know, we receive questions uh, from a wide gamut of, of, of requests, you know. So, you know, at the end of the day, when when you can assist the public, that's gratifying. Thank you. And now the tip of the day. When it comes to cover letters, stay precise. Don't beat around the bush. Make your cover letter precise. Make sure that it tells a recruiter exactly who you are and what you want. You don't want to leave an employee guessing. Always make sure your application is crystal clear as well. I would like to thank my guest today, Ms. Angela Proctor, head university archivist and digital librarian at the John B. Cabe Library at Southern University A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You've been listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. Until next time, stay positive. And remember, success doesn't come to you. You go to it. You've been listening to Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. Tune in on the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Career Talk, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.